Hello there and welcome to the last episode of the Irish Film London Podcast 2022. We've had some incredible film releases this year and we were lucky enough to get to speak to a lot of the creators behind these wonderful films that made us belly laugh and ugly cry. I also just want to say a quick congratulations to all the filmmakers and people who made shorts, features, documentaries. The world has been a bit of a scary and uncertain place for the last while and you went out there and you created work for yourselves for your crews and for us showing us your wonderful talents and skills and we're very very grateful for that because without you guys myself and Jerry would just be sitting here talking shite and he wants to listen to that am I right Jerry? Well I mean that's the only reason why I do come here is to listen to us talk shite so okay well I don't and so we, <laughs> we started off the year we were kind of doing a bit of a look back uh, which is always really really fun to do and we started off the year with the Damien Dempsey um, documentary called Love Yourself Today. We did indeed Neve. and then you caught up with both Damo himself and the film's director Ross Colleen. Um so let's listen back to a clip from that interview now. Going back to the very first meeting with Damo just that the film is something that helps people you know like I love the idea of the film being very similar to the concert in that you go in you know you go down but then you get brought back up again you know uh, you said it there it's got it like the the grief the sadness but then you have to go down there to get the lift uh, at the end you know and uh I just want people to feel good after they've seen it, you know, and that's kind of typically been the response. Like, a, you know, most people who see it are just feel really good after they walk out, you know, and um, they feel good about the 80 minutes they've spent watching the film, you know, they've kind of thought about their own situations and whatnot. And, uh, but ultimately they, they have a good feeling walking out of the cinema, you know, and then that's, that's brilliant. You know, that, that's like a, to make a film that makes people feel good is um, is a lovely thing, and I'm very proud of that. You know, Damien. I suppose a bit of hope. Yeah, like everyone, everyone goes through trauma, some sort of trauma of their own. You know, no matter where they're from. But there's always hope, and uh, there's always healing out there. And um, every day is a new start. And I suppose uh, there's lots of wisdom I think uh, imparted by uh, the people. You know. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the our three heroes there. Lots of wisdom for people who, who are going through a, a hard time in life. Or, you know, might see no light at the end of the tunnel, I suppose. You know, mm-hmm. and it's just the power of music, and the, you know, that hopefully people get along to gigs and sing. Singing is very important. You know, we should all be singing. The power of music is supposed to heal, you know, and help people. And community, it's, it's a great movie about community, people getting together. You know. Yeah. You know, to hear music and sing along, and it's, that's a partnership. We've had some massive releases all through the year. We've had films that started off at Sundance in January. Uh, that's a film like Nothing Compares, which has just went from strength to strength. You know, showing the film now, you know, it launched obviously at Sundance in January. It's just the amount of like young, flashing eyed teenagers I've got coming up at the end of the screenings who are just completely bewildered saying like what Mm. (laughs) how did we not know this because the rhetoric around her has been so reductive and they even were saying like oh 
we just thought she was bad or she'd done something bad. We didn't really know what it was, you mm. know, and that was what they knew of her. And then when they see it, they're stunned and yeah, as you said, furious but galvanized. It mm. seems to have accidentally become a bit of a um, call to action, particularly in America, you know, where so much is happening there. Uh, obviously, the horrors that's happening over there, um, you know, for women at the minute. You know, I just think it's amazing how inspired people seem to be. We had award-winning films all the way through the year. Young Plato has done the rounds quite a bit. Million Dollar Pigeons came out in this in the autumn. We've had How to Tell a Secret and North Circular out in November this year, and loads, loads more besides that. Mm, and North Circular is just going strength to strength. I know you guys um, did way more kind of screenings even after our festival in November, and are planning to do more. So that's always ex- exciting. Yeah, it's a film that I think really resonates with people, definitely. And it's yeah, it's it's lovely to see a film about a specific place that really resonates with people, whether they're from that place or they have a recognition of it, or whether it's the music in it or something else. I don't know, but it's doing it's doing so well, and it's really lovely to mm. see. So just before Irish Film Festival London in November, I caught up with North Circular's director Luke McManus. Here's a little bit of the chat we had about what North Circular means to him. Well, I was showing it to a fella, a very interesting fella called Kieran Aguera, who's a, been around a lot. He's a designer and he's kind of a brand consultant of all things. But I was just showing him the film and he goes, it's about community. Yeah. And I sort of push back against that because it's just such a word that's overused. But then I realised his insight was absolutely correct. Because the one thing that ties everything together is the power of joining and of being with others and how that can help you overcome injustice and trauma and all of those things and how how toxic loneliness can be. You know, you think of the guy in the squat who died, you know, he was isolated. You have Sean Latuma who's had huge trauma and challenges in his life, but he's out chatting to people on the street with his tin whistle and cracking a few jokes and that's where he gets meaning from and that's where he gets validation and comfort. Yeah. And, you know, so, and you think of Bose, you think of Kelly Harrington, you think of the people playing music together, like the marching on the street. All of these things are these moments of public joy and of coming together. And then it's also been a really amazing year for um, Irish language films. So we had On Colleen Kuhn, we had Roche August Frank, and we also had Binion as well, which was earlier on in the year. But particularly On Colleen Kuhn has just gone, I mean, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> it's like the dream. Yeah. It's just such a beautiful film. And uh, one I think as a nation, we're all really, really proud of. <laughs> proud is probably an understatement, yeah. But yes, we, we covered on Colin Kuhn a few times across the year. And in particular, I felt lucky to get to chat to the film's cinematographer, Kate McCullough, about the process of shooting on Colin Kuhn and working with the whole creative team on the film back in a conversation we had in the summer. Here's Kate. You know, I was thinking afterwards that it was almost like we had sort of made a whole body of films already together. Like, Okay. You know, this was this kind of understanding and and sort of appreciation of of films that yeah, it just seemed to be easy to communicate with them um, and to develop ideas and sort of work things through 
Um, and like even when we had, we, we did sort of a test day as well and Catherine mm. and she was just so ready for the camera. Like she was, you know, she just sort of like, <laughs> I'm ready for whatever it is like is going to happen with this film. Yeah. Um, we ended up like I think using one of the shots from the test day, you know, because it was just already kind of working. Wow, which <laughs> shot is that? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just been a film that smashed a lot of glass ceilings. I think you know it's done more mm. than a million euros at the Irish box office it's done more than a million in the UK box office I think UK and Irish combined uh, it's the first Irish language film to ever reach that level of popularity I guess or you know commercial success it's yeah. also it's also picked up numerous awards its journey isn't even finished yet because it's Ireland's selection for the Oscar foreign language category this year or I think it's now mm -hmm. called best international feature competition um, mm -hmm. so we could we could be revisiting that in the new year as another title which is still representing Ireland internationally uh, exactly fingers crossed we're, we're all behind them but we adore it no matter what um, and also as well a personal favourite genre of mine is uh, the horror and thriller genre um, we had You Are Not My Mother um, we had Here Before by Stacey mm -hmm. Gregg we had The Cellar and then um, only really recently has been the release of Lorcan Finnegan's Nocebo um, and You Are Not My Mother and Here Before and The Cellar and all the other um, films that we've mentioned quite a lot of them we've uh, had interviews with throughout the year so if you haven't if you've seen them and you haven't got a chance to listen to any of the podcasts definitely go back and have a listen especially after you've seen a film I always kind of find one it's good to listen before to kind of spark your interest in it but then it's always nice to kind of listen to them after to hear about any of you know the trials and tribulations that they had to go through throughout making the film and all that kind of stuff but I think you know people in filmmaking like you know filmmakers and people who work on film are really um pragmatic and and are very good at problem solving and are very creative so I think you know it was a little bit unsettling to make your first film in that in that kind of space but I think you know everyone just gets on with it and gets used to it and then you kind of are being tested twice a week and then you just go and you do the things and and yeah. it was funny there was only kind of one big scene with a lot of extras that I was really worried about which was the Halloween night where she's walking in the street and I was like we had a production meeting about it and I was like look if if we get on set and it's like 10 people I don't know what I'm gonna do with that like how's that gonna how's that gonna work mm. and they um so the second AD he was a real um hero of the day he basically went to the neighborhood we were gonna film in drop leaflets into all the families on that street and uh basically being like did your kids miss Halloween well we're doing a fake Halloween for this movie do you want to come <laughs> and then literally we turned up that day and then there was about 150 kids in full <laughs> full Halloween costume like no met like Brilliant. they were they went all out they were obviously like getting ready all day and uh I was like this is great so that but then like the producer was like really stressed because she was like I hope they don't like nobody calls the guards thanks for having like a huge celebration or something oh god yeah yeah so wow. that was kind of stressful but um no it's brilliant 
And you know what I what I would add to that about the, those interviews as well is that like I I find this more than in any other format. But in a podcast interview, you get you can because you spend so much time talking to somebody. Like a podcast interview is generally quite long form in terms of mm. the amount of time that you as an interviewer navel spend talking to somebody about their film and their work and everything and you get to such a such a fine level of detail you get to reveal so much about their processes and where the film comes from and you learn a lot about it it's really i find it really rewarding listening back to our episodes so yeah i encourage everyone to be rewarded in the way that i am by listening to our episodes please listen to our episodes I know exactly what you mean and a kind of a bit of a, a funny one for me I was listening back to some of them today and I mean I'm super proud of all of them because um, I just think they're just such amazing people to have taken the time to come out and um, and talk to us about what totally they've made um, but one one interview that I'm, I kind of came away from going I'm really really chuffed with that one or I really enjoyed it or I, I kind of got you know something uh, out of it was the here before chat with Stacey Gregg Mm. Um, I just really, really enjoyed that one. Mm. Stacey Gregg's chat is actually a really good example of that, yeah. My way of working is, like I say, there's a, I want to, what's really paramount to me always is that I, is, is that I believe them. I, I need to see a performance that I believe. And in order to get that, a lot of the time you have to create the space, even when you're like against it with time, you know, and whatever other logistics, you, you know, are sort of screaming around you. Your job is to create the space and um, provide whatever emo emotional information is needed for the performer to find their way there. So one way of doing that, especially with the younger performers, um, was I would usually run the scene a few times by the book, sort of what we had on script, and then start to like let it breathe a little bit. And that way we caught lots of gorgeous stuff, a lot of completely improvised stuff that made its way into the film and gives it that real nice texture. Um, and, you know, I think that the team, Chloe Thompson, my DP as well, was very sort of, you know, uh, alert and open to finding things as we went along. And it just meant that you're sort of making the most of the time that you've got. But I'm trying to think as well of a standout film for me personally throughout the year. Yeah. And one that kind of pops into mind for me um, was Swan Song, uh, which was directed oh, by yeah. Benjamin Cleary. And we, and we also had the producer, Rebecca Burke, on uh, a podcast as well. And that for me was just, it didn't have a cinema release. It was uh, came out on, I think it was Apple TV. And yeah. um, that for me was just kind of next level of, you know, production and storytelling. And that was a really, really strong film, I thought. Speaking about the script, Speaking about life though, connections to it, like all those kind of things. I just knew I was sitting across on someone really, really special, like how he was speaking about the character and just about everything. I was, I was just getting more and more energized. And so that was the start of the casting process. Um, getting at the end of the meeting, rehearsal said, I want to do the movie. There was no like stuff after or whatever. He just went, let's do this. And so that was, that was kind of just incredible. And then from then on, when you, when you, when you're lucky enough to get someone like Mahershala to sign up to the movie, it changes the entire casting process because every actor wants to work with Mahershala, you know? So you're able to get the script into the hands of people you just wouldn't have had a chance to. So after that, it was quite, it was quite, um, I wouldn't say easy, like casting is tricky and there was loads of roles and all that kind of stuff, but it was certainly made a lot easier by his involvement. And Mahershala was producer as well, which was really helpful for us. Um, 
and it went from there, you know, like um, Naomi, Mahershala helped to get it to her. I had an amazing conversation with her and she signed up. And then that was the, the center of the whole film because it really is all about that, that central relationship. And then we went from there. I think um, Vicky Thomas, our brilliant uh, casting director, um, our very first meeting, she was like, what about Aquafina for Kate? And I was like, wow, that's that's a really interesting choice because I'd seen her in um, The Farewell, which I thought was a masterpiece. And I thought she was phenomenal in that. So I was really interested in in uh, Aquafina for that. And then um, and then Glenn, again, it was one of those, like to get Glenn close in the film, I, I, it was one of those things where I just was like, there's no way we could get her in. But again, I think Mahershala and I think having Naomi on at that point too was really helpful. And then we just, again, we had just a really great Zoom and she had brilliant ideas for the character and how to flesh out the character a bit more. And it really made the script a lot stronger. So I did a rewrite, got it back to, to Glenn and she signed on. And that was it really. It was just, it was a bit of a, it was kind of a dream process for your first film to, to sort of have as hassle-free a casting process as that. But it really did center around Mahershala and the fact that you know, at the end of the day, this is really, he's in every single film sometimes as, as himself playing both roles. So uh, yeah, it was, yeah, that was kind of, that was uh, the, the casting process. Do you know the one, the, the film experience that stands out for me most this year? Mm. I mean, I've got to see so many brilliant films this year as part of programming for Irish Film Festival London and all the other bits and bobs that we do through the year. But the experience that keeps coming back to me as being the most mind-blowing is actually watching Here Before by Stacey Gregg mm. for the first time and seeing Andrea Riseborough and seeing the young actress in that who plays the, the daughter and the the whole ensemble cast in that is brilliant. It, it, it just blew me away as a thriller that... I really love thrillers anyway, but as a thriller yeah. that uses this sort of the specificity of this community in Northern Ireland and you know Andrea Riseborough's accent is incredible in it she really nails it mm. they've, they've got the place down to a T they've got the they've, they've managed to capture the spookiness of this sort mm. of semi-rural place in Northern Ireland there's like a, a small housing development that's sat on the top of a hill that looks down over everything else but feels really removed almost like a ghost house mm. you know there's just lots and yeah. lots and lots to love in it it was so atmospheric and yeah the storytelling of it I think was just incredibly strong so I'm looking forward yeah. to more from Stacey Gregg which we will have in the new year and mm -hmm. um, I got a confirmation that we're definitely going to have an interview at some point in the new year with um, her new film Ballywater so that's very exciting Brilliant. Um, so looking forward to that but just as you were saying there about um, the young actor in Here Before this has just been an amazing year for young actors. Uh, I'm Irish so actors. glad like, you mentioned that. Yeah. Oh my God. Like um, Catherine Clinch, uh, obviously played Cotton uh, on Colin Kewen and yeah. Ruan, who was in Roche August Frank. He was there yeah. at our awards as well. And what a, a amazing young man he is. I know he did the Q&A after as well. And yeah, it's just, I mean, the, the, uh, the industry is in, is in good hands for sure. It is. All those child actors this year were just incredible. Like, what about Charlie Reed, who played Molly in mm. Joyride? In Joyride, oh yeah, the best. So good. Another gorgeous yeah. film, actually, from, from the last year. So, Neve, alongside all of these film experiences from the last 12 months, what have been some of your standout 
TV experiences, Irish TV experiences. Oh yeah, of course. Like we can't forget about the TV, another kind of big hitter for for Irish productions this year. I know um, we chatted to Alison Oliver about her experience on Conversations with Friends. Mm. Um, We had the final season of Dairy Girls. So sad that that was the final season, but what a gorgeous one to finish on. I think that flashback episode will just stay with me forever. Um, What else was there? Oh, The Dry, which also stars our patron Mo Dunford. Yeah. And um, that's a really great watch. Um, and then, of course, Bad Sisters with Sharon Horgan and Sarah Green and just an amazing, amazing mm. female led um, TV show. So if you haven't watched any of those, they are some binge worthy uh, TV shows for over the Christmas and New they Year, really I have are. to say. I feel like everyone's watching Bad Sisters at the minute. It's really out there. Have you not watched it? I haven't seen it yet. No. <gasps> oh, it's good. It's yeah. really good. And they are bringing it back for a second season, which I'm a little bit apprehensive about, because you know the way when something's so good, you kind of don't want it touched. Um, But also, I just don't think that Sharon Horgan would ever let that happen. You know what I mean? (laughs) I feel like she's like, I feel like she's the kind of creator that like, if she's not happy with it, she'd be like, we're not doing it. So um, I'm really interested to see that. So um, yeah. Get on that, Bad Sisters, honestly. Well, that's that's going to be my holiday binge, okay? Good, good, good. Okay, this has been a lot of fun. It's been nice to revisit everything we've done on the podcast this year, but it's time for some mince pies now. So from me and from Neve, happy Christmas. Have a very happy new year, and we'll catch you all again in January. And look, if you've made it this far in the podcast or in any of our podcast episodes, please consider dropping a like or a subscribe or a follow or whatever on the podcast, wherever you're listening to it. It really does help, actually. It helps people to discover the podcast and whatever algorithm that that you're using, it really contributes. And it lets us know that you're there and that you're listening to, um, which is often quite difficult to figure out (laughs) in some ways. But yeah, if you want, you can consider that your little Christmas gift to us this year. Okay, happy holidays, everyone.